Amen. As you seat it and take your Bible, if you would, this morning, I want to ask you to turn with me to the book of Psalms, to the very end, Psalm 150. Psalm 150, and I want to talk to us starting today on a little series of preaching. It'll be three Sundays unless the Lord changes something. And um, I want to thank Brother Jonathan and the rest of the group for leading us into the presence of God this morning. Amen. It's what a blessing to come and praise the Lord. But I want to talk to us for the next few Sundays about the essential activities in the house of God. Um, When we come to the house of God, you've been wanting to come back. Well, what was it you was wanting to do? What is it that happens here that makes you want to gather in the house of God? And I know y'all give me the good answer because the Lord's there. <laughs> but what makes the Lord want to be here? Well, I'm glad you'd want to know that because I believe there's three indispensable activities in the house of God. When I say indispensable, I say they're so vital that they're necessary to the point that if they're not there, I think that church place may not be what you think it is. Because God's going to be, and I'm not saying these are the only things, but I am saying these three activities will be practiced. They will be evident. When you go into that church, you're going to realize right away that these are three main pillars of what makes that church what it is. And as you look with me, I want to start off with this. Paul, writing to Timothy, a young pastor who he had mentored and personally led to the Lord, who he was pastor in a church, Timothy was. Paul was in prison, and he wrote to Timothy. But if I am delayed, he was delayed. He couldn't be there. He said, I write so that you may know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Paul said that the house of God is the church of the living God. That's God's house. That's where he resides today. And he doesn't live in this building But when we dedicate this building as the place where we gather to worship, this does become a holy place. It becomes the sanctuary where we meet. And where we meet is to meet God. And he says that you need to know, Timothy, how to conduct yourself. Certainly that means personally our conduct, our morals, and um, the things we do. But it also means together, how do you conduct the house of God? What are the things you do in the church? What are the activities? And so I want to ask you the question, which activities should we conduct in the house of God? What should we be doing? Better yet, when we come into God's house, what should we be doing? What do we come here for? Well, I want to, in the next few weeks, talk about three that I think are indispensable. The true house of God will be a place of praise. It'll be people filled with folks that are excited, that show a visible, evident, Praise their hearts are excited that they love God. That they're, 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 when you come into a true place, not only will God recognize it, but people will recognize that those people love Jesus. It'll also be a place of prayer, it'll be a place where people will pray individually, and when they come together, they pray corporately. God's people should be praying people. The reason a lot of people aren't praising is they haven't been praying. And haven't been with God all week. And then finally, it's going to be a place of preaching. When you come into a true house of God, they're going to be preaching the word of God. People are going to be praying for the needs and for the things that God would put on their heart to pray. And they're going to be in a spirit of praise towards the Lord. I want you to look here with me. 
God's house is what we're going to look at this morning, and then next week we'll look at God's house as a house of prayer. But God's house is a place of praise. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, (laughs) it changed my heart. It changed the way I looked at going to God's house. It was no longer a burden. It was nothing, something that I felt I had to do. It became something I wanted to do. In fact, it has got to a point where it's something now I have to do. I'm telling you, church is essential for a true Christian that's right with God. Amen? <laughs> if you ain't right with God, maybe church don't matter to you. But when you get there, what's essential? Well, I don't know about you. I don't want to be at a church that don't praise God. I don't want to be at a church that don't pray. Because it's only through prayer that you're going to see God pour out supernatural, unbelievable blessings upon us. Because it comes by faith. Faith enough to believe in Him, to trust Him enough to ask Him. He says, you have not because you ask not. And I sure ain't going to be in a church that don't want to hear the Word of God because I'll get run off. Amen. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I made up a long time ago. I'm going to do my best to preach the Word of God the way the Word of God is and leave the rest up to y'all. But guys, those three things are important. But listen to this based upon... A place of praise. The Bible in Hebrews 13, in context here, right above that, it says that Jesus, because he went out of the gate and was sacrificed, let us go out with him outside the gate, meaning the gate of the temple, bringing on our reproach in him, and therefore by him, Him being Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Therefore, because Jesus went outside, he was put out of the temple. He was cast out of the city of holy Jerusalem, and he was placed on a hill where criminals went in reproach and shame. And the Son of God willfully died as a sacrifice for us so that we could be saved. Therefore, let us embrace that reproach. Therefore, by him, Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Guys, if you've been saved by his grace, if you've received what his sacrifice provided for you, there ought to be a desire in you to sacrificially praise God. That means praise him when things are not right. Praise him when they are right. Praise him. Look at what it says. But not just from your heart. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Friends, listen, genuine praise, if it's in your heart, is it's going to come out of your mouth. Amen? I believe that men who love Jesus sing. (laughs) I believe men love Jesus cry. I believe men who love Jesus, they show expression. It comes out. If you love your wife, your wife watches you to see if you really love her or not. And friends, Jesus knows if we love him. So therefore, by him... Let us continually, it says, offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips. And guys, when we look at the book of Psalms, the Psalms is the Hebrew hymnal. It's the Bible songbook. It was primarily written by David, one of the greatest worship leaders and praise people of the Bible. And when it gets to the end of the book, He writes in Psalm 150 a crescendo of what, having been the praise leader, the Bible calls David the sweet psalmist of Israel. And when he gets to the end, he writes in Psalm 150, we're going to read it together, praise the Lord, I want you to notice, exclamation point. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. That's wherever you gather where God is supposed to be with us. 
Praise him in his mighty firmament, his mighty heavens. That's talking about his heaven. Praise him for his mighty acts, what he's done. Praise him according to his excellent greatness, who he is. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp, exclamation point again. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes, exclamation point. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals, exclamation point. I don't know about y'all, but it looks like praise is a pretty serious, pretty visible, pretty loud experience. Amen. See, when you come to church, my friend, there ought to be people who are so overwhelmed with God that when you walk in there, there's a time in there. Yeah, there's the place for preaching. There's the place for praying. But there ought to be a place for praising. Where people come in and say, those people praise God. What happened to them? What did Jesus do to them to make them like that? Well, I ask you, what did your favorite football team do to some of you that makes you do the stuff you do at a game? The wave and scream and holler and dress up and paint your face. If we can do all that for stuff like that, certainly when you come to the house of God, we ought to be a little undignified. Remember what his wife told David? I'm ashamed of you. You embarrassed me. Out there dancing like that. David said, I'm going to dance some more too. (laughs) He said, because my Lord loves me and my Lord has blessed me. Friends, listen. If David could twirl for for God, certainly we ought to come here and we ought to sing loud. We ought to be unashamed. You know, God has gave us everything we need to praise. In fact, he gave us a special vocabulary. How many of you have heard these words before? Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Do y'all know that these two words are universal words? They are translated and pronounced the same around the world in every language. They're one of the very few words that they don't have a transliteration. They are the same. From the day they were given to us in the original language to the day, whatever language they're used in today, they are translated, hallelujah, amen. We can go anywhere, any place where God's people are gathered in his name, and when they're worshiping, if they want to celebrate and say praise God, they say hallelujah. If they want to say what the preacher's saying is right, that is true, let it be, they say amen. Friends, listen, we ought to hear more hallelujahs and more amens in the house of God. Can I get an amen? We ought to hear people not ashamed to say hallelujah when God blesses them, when he does something good. Let me show you what these words mean. They come from the Psalms. That's where they are. They're in the Psalms more than anywhere else. They're only in three books. They're in primarily more than anywhere in the book of Psalms and in the book of Revelations. You know why they're in the book of Revelations? Because Revelations is showing us what's going on in heaven. Do you know that in heaven people are going to be saying hallelujah? They're going to be saying amen? So certainly we ought to be saying it down here. The word amen literally means let it be. This is true. And the word hallelujah means it's a word of celebration. It's a word of praise the Lord. And friends, we ought to hear those words in the church of God. But more than that, we ought to see people who are singing, who are excited, who when they gather and we sing songs, We're not entertained. We are engaged with God because we're consumed with God because we've been with God all week. That's why praying all week is important. That's why hearing from the Word is important because you'll never get to where you need to be if all you do is this is a weekend hobby. You just come on Sunday. Now, friends, I want you to think about this. Psalm 150 is a prediction of what every child of God will be doing throughout eternity. When you look at the book of Psalms, 
David starts it out. He gave us those hymns and that, that songbook. And when he gets to the end, the last five songs, everyone starts and ends with, praise the Lord. Friend, every child of God, when he gets to heaven, is going to be praising God, whether you praise him here or not. <laughs> and guys, some of us are going to be surprised. Hold your place right here. I just read to you. Psalm 150 is strange things to think about in many of our churches today. Man, that sounds like it's pretty loud. Let me show you how loud it is in heaven. Turn with me to Rome, I mean, Revelations chapter 19. Now, God gave John a vision of revelations like no very few people in the Bible. And he wrote it down for us. I want you to look. This is the raptured church right after it's raptured before Jesus comes back in his triumphal second coming when he'll establish his millennial reign. It's right before when he comes back on the white horse. And this is the church up in heaven that's been raptured. And I want you to look at it in verse 1 of chapter 19. After these things, John said, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, a big crowd, saying, Hallelujah. That's just changed with the A. It means the same thing. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. John said when he looked up, the church in heaven, the raptured church, was shouting out with a loud voice, the great multitude saying, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. Look at verse 2. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot. That's the false religion, godless religion, who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Guys, it is no, not easy to study and find out. It is a historical fact that false religion has murdered more Christians for the, who's lived for Christ than any other force on the earth. More of us, more saints have died to the harlot of false religion than any other thing. We got one right now, Islam, killing Christians all over the world in the name of Allah. And friends, listen, that will be avenged one day. The church will be there. And listen to what it says in verse 3. And they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God and sat on the throne saying, Amen! Exclamation point. Hallelujah! Exclamation point. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters. That always reminds me of something like Niagara Falls. You ever heard a waterfall, how powerful it sounds? And as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Friends, that's where we are going. I've pastored three churches and I've seen God move in all three by the grace of God. I don't know why. But when he got to moving, he sent people there that got excited. And in every church I've ever pastored, it never fails. Sooner or later, somebody will come in and he'll be excited. He'll be one of them hallelujahs. Hallelujah. Amen. Preach it. Boy, he'll get all excited. Every church so far, there's been someone come to me. You've got to go do something with him, Brother Marvin. He's distracting us. He's disturbing people. He's too loud. He's shouting all that hallelujah stuff. If you've ever been disturbed and distracted in a Baptist church, God, you don't want to go to heaven. <laughs> Friends, listen. 
If someone being excited, and I'm not talking being inappropriate in the flesh, drawing attention to yourself, but at a spirit-led moment, something said, something glorifies God, and they say, Amen! Let it be! That's the truth! Or they shout, Hallelujah! Look what God has done! Look at the blessings of God! Hallelujah! Praise God! Friends, that ought to be said way more than what we are seeing in the church. You see, God gave us our own language. And guys, listen, Psalm 150 is a prediction of what every child of God will be doing throughout eternity. But listen, it's also a prescription giving us directions for praising God today. God done showed us how to do it. And friends, you know what? If you know God, if you've been blessed by God, the natural result that ought to come from you is that you can't help it. I'm going to praise him. Man, I was at the church at Why Not, where I was at for 13 years. We ain't been there long. And we had a lady there that, I'm, I'm not going to say too much, y'all, somebody might figure out who I'm talking about. But she, boy, was looking at us. And man, I, we was there, and I, man, I'd hold my hands up. Not every service, but sometimes I couldn't help it. I'd hold my hands up. I'd be, Amen. About there two months, she came up one Sunday after church and said, Preacher, you've been here long enough to know that we ain't the kind of church that holds up our hands. You don't need to do that. I said, I can't help it. But when he touches me, I just got to try to touch him. <laughs> I don't plan on raising my hands. As a matter of fact, I think when it truly happens in the Spirit, you don't even realize it's happening. The problem is, why could someone go to church and never? raise their hands. And I'm not putting down somebody who never raises their hands unless you are one of those that put down on people who do. I ain't going to fall. And friends, listen. If you was the preacher and someone told you and said, go tell someone to quiet down and calm down and quit hollering about God, would you go do that? <laughs> but that's what we get, friends, listen. When people come here, they ought to see people hollering about God. They ought to see people praising God. They ought to hear people saying hallelujah and amen and standing and singing and excited. You know what it says in Psalm 150? It says they even praise Him with timbrel and, oh my God, the Baptist dance. I'm happy to look around here. I, it cracked me up. I didn't realize how many of y'all do it because I always get in the front. But I was looking at the videos we were making, <laughs> and there's a bunch of y'all got some Baptist moves that I'm very... Fine to see for Jesus. Amen. Y'all was moved. I said, they're going to think we don't, they're not going to believe we're a Baptist church looking at this video. And guys, listen, that's not nothing to be ashamed of. That's nothing to be thankful for. We got people that are alive and Jesus excited. Praise God. But guys, listen, we need to have the freedom that if we want to stand, stand. If we want to sit, sit. If we want to raise our hands, raise our hands. And if someone wants to shout hallelujah, it ought to bless us because they're blessing God. They say an amen and what they're saying is in accord with truth being preached or a blessing being shared. Oh, man, we ought to be all in that. Now, I want you to see something. When we begin to look, praise the Lord is found throughout the book of Psalms, but each of the last five Psalms begins with praise the Lord, exclamation point, and ends with praise the Lord, exclamation point. So when you look at the Hebrew hymn book, from the beginning to the end, praise the Lord is the main theme. Do you know what the second theme of Psalms is? Blessed is the man. Have you ever turned to Psalm 1 and looked at the first, the first three, four words that 
is written in the Hebrew psalm book is blessed is the man. And the last words written in the hymn book is praise be to God. Friends, you know why some people can't praise God? They ain't figured out how blessed they are. Or maybe they just ain't been blessed. You know, out of all the blessings that we have to sing about him, about all of his mightiest works, nothing compares to his salvation. We're going to move back to Psalm 150 up there and work our way back, but I want you to turn with me to Psalm 1, and I want you to look at it with me, because I think looking at the Word of God has power in it. It helps it to have its effect. And if you look at it with me, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in the law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That man right there that is the blessed man, that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but doesn't stand in the path with sinners, but no, he's separated. He delights himself in the word of God now. He meditates on the word of God day and night. And because of that, he's like a tree planted in the right place. If you're going to bless God, you've got to be where God wants you. You can't bless God out there in the world. You can't bless God full of sin. To bless God, you've got to be where God wants you. And when God plants you, you're going to prosper. You're going to flourish. You're going to bear fruit, and the fruit of your lips is going to give glory to his name and praise him continuously. Friends, that's what God does, because that's why he saved us. The greatest thing he did when he blessed us is he saved us. Look at chapter 32 right quick. Turn to Psalm 32, and let me show you this. The Psalms is as full of God blessing us as, as is us praising him. That's the whole thing. That's what the Bible is about. God blesses us, he saves us, then we praise him and worship him. And friends, look at Psalm 32. Look at what David says. Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. I don't know about y'all, but one day, by the grace of God, through preaching and prayer, God brought me to the place where I realized I was a sinner. And I come to that place where God opened my eyes. We just sang it. I saw the light. And God saved us in here if we're saved. Friends, you know, out of all the things God does for us, the, the, the most unimaginable thing he does is he forgives us of our transgressions. And not only does he forgive us of our transgressions, but he covers our sins. So where he doesn't see it anymore. And even though we're guilty, he doesn't impute the iniquity, that's the sin and the condemnation of that guilt because of our transgression against us. I don't know about you, that makes me praise his holy name, amen? I got a lot of sin piled up there. But God, in a moment in time, took the blood of Calvary and he removed it as far as the east is to the west and he covered it to where he no longer sees it, brother. Bill, and now when he looks at me, he doesn't impute against me what I justly deserve because my God forgave me. I don't want to make a Baptist say hallelujah. I don't want to make a dead man come to life and say amen. 
Friends, I don't know about you, but do you know where we were headed, where we were going when we were undone in sin? We were hellbound. We was on a one-way train with a destination no one wants to go to, and we were headed to it full speed ahead. But one day God put a U-turn in our journey. God looked down there and interrupted us and said, Oh, no, listen here. I know you messed up. I know you have sinned, but I love you. And he saved us. And friends, I don't know about you, but until you get that blessing, you'll never praise him. Going to church used to be something I felt I had to do to hopefully make God hopefully be okay with me. Now that I'm saved, church ain't something I have to do. It ain't something I feel burdened to do. Church is what I want to do. And guys, listen, when we get here, I don't know about y'all, I'm coming not for what God's going to do for me, although I'm a needy person like everybody else. I need grace. I don't want to abuse His grace, but Lord, I need it every day because it's the only thing that ever makes me really want to change. And I need a lot of change. But I'm going to tell you what, friends. When I come to church, I'm not just coming here because I need grace. I'm coming here also because I've already been given grace. And now I have something to give back to God. And I deal with my sin. I keep my relationship with God through confession and repentance. And when I come, oh, ain't it wonderful when you've been walking with God. Blessed is the man who walks not in the path of sinners. And he's walking with God. He's meditating on the Word. And you come and you've been lifting, living for God. And you come and you praise Him. You give Him praise. You give Him worship. And it comes from your heart and it comes out of your mouth and it's real and the Spirit makes it powerful. Guys, that's what He saved us for. That's the greatest blessing we have to offer Him. And guys, listen, God continually blesses us. Listen to this list of things that God blesses us with that all comes just from the book of Psalms. I'm just going to go through them and you can be turning back to Psalm 145. But listen, Psalm 33:12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Have you noticed the trouble America is having? Do you see the confusion? Do you see the rioting and the unsatisfied and division amongst all our people? It's because we are no longer a blessed nation because God is no longer our Lord. If God was our Lord, we'd be a blessed nation. We wouldn't see what we're seeing on TV. And I'm here to tell you until the world and the church and America turns back to God, we're not going to see all the blessings God wants to give us. But listen to what he says. Verse 34, verse 8, one of my favorite verses. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who will trust him. Have you trusted him lately and seen how good he is? Oh, man, he's like that song. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Oh, man. He tastes mighty good, don't he, when you're forgiven? And man, I don't know about y'all, but if you read through it, look at what he says. 84, verse 4, Blessed are those who dwell in thy house. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. 84, 5. Psalm 94, 12. Blessed is the man whom you instruct. Psalm 118, verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed or the undefiled in the way who walk in the way of the Lord. Psalm 119.2, Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with a whole heart. 
Psalm 128, 1, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. Guys, listen, you're like that tree. When you're where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do, you're going to get blessed. Doesn't mean you're not going to have troubles. Doesn't mean there's not going to be times of tribulation. But it's going to be this. You're going to know God's with you and you're going to know God has blessed you. And friends, that's what happens to that tree when it's where God wants it. Guys, listen to this. David wrote all of these, most of them. And when you get to Psalm 145, if you got your Bible, look under it, and there's what we will call a subtitle. Psalm 145, in mine and every one I had, all three of my translations that I was studying with, it says, a, pray, a praise of David. How many says that? A praise of David. Look at the psalm before that. It says, a psalm of David. The majority of the psalms that David put a subtitle on, he wrote a psalm of David. Some he wrote a contemplation of David, a prayer of David. Some he wrote and he said to the chief musician, a song of David. But this is the only one in all of the psalms where David subtitled it, a praise of David. Now he's the sweet psalmist. You can look that up. It calls him that in Second, um, second Samuel, the second to last chapter, and it says David, who was the sweet psalmist of Israel, he wrote all these hymns under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That inspired pen wrote all these psalms from the heart that came from the life David lived with God. David was not a man who hid his failures or his fears. He tells you about when he was afraid, when he was running from Saul, he tells you about the times when he failed and he committed sin and he had to repent. The most beautiful picture of repentance in all of the Bible could be said is in Psalm 51 when he repented and got right after sinning and committing adultery with Bathsheba. And all of that is showing the goodness of God, the long-suffering of God, the faithfulness of God, all the blessings that God gave him. And David gets to this and he's finishing up the Hebrew hymn book, you might say. And he writes... Psalm 145, and he gets to the point now where he says, a praise of David. And look what David writes. He said, I will extol you, my God, my King, and I will bless your name forever. That word extol is not a common word, but that's a word that means exalt. <laughs> he said, I'm going to exalt you, my God and my King. I will bless your name forever. Every day, I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever." And ever. And from there, he begins to write the last five hymns. Every one of those hymns, if you look at them with me, start and end with praise the Lord. Let's look at them together right quick. Look at Psalm 145. I mean Psalm 146. It starts out with, praise the Lord, exclamation point. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Look at 149. Verse 1, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. And then it says at the end of that psalm, just like all the other ones, the last thing is praise the Lord. But then we get to the last psalm. It's like a crescendo of praise to God. And David writes out, and I want you to look and see what David shows us. In this psalm, David shows us and reveals to us where we praise the Lord. 
Look at what he says in Psalm 150. Praise the Lord, exclamation point. Praise God in his sanctuary. If there's anywhere where praise ought to be happening, it's when we gather together in the worship, in the sanctuary of God. When people come to church who don't know God, they ought to see people who are praising God, who are excited. We ought to be more excited than, who's a big singer nowadays? I ain't listened to worldly music. To me, back in the day, Leonard Skinner, Allman Brothers. Man, I've been, I've seen some of them. Man, I'd go there and I'd stand up the whole time and I'd hold up my hands and I'd woohoo and wah like everybody. But guys, listen, if we do that for the world, we come out here, we got good music. The Lord gave us good as music. The devil's had the music long enough. We got it too now, amen? There was somebody told me at my first church, the first time we got drums, you don't let the devil in the church. I said, well, you need to read Psalm 150, brother. He didn't like that. <laughs> Friends, listen. He told us where to worship. Worship in the sanctuary, the house of God. And also, worship in His mighty heavens. Worship in heaven. You see, the question is, both places He tells us to worship is where God's at. Here on earth, where's God going to be more than anywhere else? I know He's everywhere, but where is His Shekinah glory, His manifested present, made seen and visible the most? In the house of God with God's people. So He wants to be praised. Where is the place where it's going to be forever and ever? We just look, heaven. So that's where you do it. Look, he tells us why we do it. Look at verse 2. He says in verse 2, Praise him for his mighty acts. Man, I don't know about y'all, but God's done some good things. We just talked about salvation. That's enough right there to praise him forever. But look at what all else he's done. He's delivered us from some of our addictions. He's healed us of some of our disease. He's reunited us in some of our broken relationships. He's healed us. Oh, man, we could go on all day. God has provided for us and protected for us things we don't even realize. But guys, he says that we are to praise him for his mighty acts, but look at what else. Also, he says, praise him for his excellent greatness. Guys, I don't know about you, but there is nothing more excellent and great than God. How great is our God. Sing to him how great is Man, I'm telling you what, he's worth singing to. He's worth getting in a place where you just give him praise and glory because he is the greatest. He is the most excellent. But guys, listen, he not only tells us where to do it, why to do it, he shows us how to do it. And guys, listen, when you read this, it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty overwhelming. He says, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. That's a wind instrument. Praise him with the lute and the harp. That's a stringed instrument. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. He's pretty much saying, praise Him with any and every instrument you can find that can make a sound, that can express your love and praise to me. He even says, praise Him with the timbrel and dance. You say, well, how do you praise him with your dad? You know what I found? Good music makes you dance. <laughs> and when the message of that music is something that inspires you, that excites you, I mean, that's what you listen to the lyrics for because it's something that is expressing something that you're in agreement with, something that you want to listen to, that you 
say, that's my feelings. That song expresses what's in my heart. And so that song affects you. (laughs) Man, I don't know about you, but that holy water affected me when I heard it the first time. I almost had to pull over. I told Jonathan, I called him. Hey, have you heard that song, Holy Water? He called me right back. I just found it. I'm going to get the, the, the music for it. You know what, guys? A new song ain't a bad thing when it's a Jesus song. And friends, listen. That's what God said to do. And then listen. Not only did he tell us why to do it, where to do it, how to do it, he told us who needs to do it. This is what's unbelievable. See, God didn't create anything not to praise Him. He created everything to praise Him, but the only thing that can praise Him is people who's been blessed and saved, who knows Him. Look at what He says. Let everything with breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you broke up breathing this morning, you know what God said that breath is for? To praise Him. I don't know about y'all, I'm pretty encouraged that we're doing the right thing if we express that we need to increase and promote praising God. Amen. And so I'm here to tell you, we got okay from God. Let's praise Him. Let's get excited. Let's let the world see that our God is worth praising and getting excited about. Can I get an amen? How about a hallelujah? All right.